Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. Read that? Two people read it. Good. We're, I'm really progressing. I'm, I'm connecting with you on levels that have never... But it, it just that this whole circle blew up. They did a whole gas line replacement um, in front of our, our block there. Huge piping all summer was torn up. And uh, the thing blew up. And uh, last week, now they're back. They're digging it all up again. If you didn't know. They, they, that's why you can't get there from here. You can't get here from my house. You can't. Um, I took a dog sled this morning. I, I did. Like, you can't get here. And they have the 30-foot trench and everything. I was pulling out in front of my driveway this morning, and there were two backhoes on each side of the driveway. And I was, like, looking like this, and a guy came over and says, you're going somewhere on Sunday morning? Is that American culture right now? That's just the heartbeat of America. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to church. He goes, oh. I said, and, like, I'm the pastor? Like, I got to get there. So I got, I got here, and um, it was crazy. I barely got here. I called Pastor Terry, and like, you may be up, like next person up. But I got here in time. My wife drops me off. She goes home. She uh, puts her, her makeup on, everything, comes back to church. I get a text from her, says, there are now pipes stacked in our driveway, said, won't be moved until noon. So my wife is stuck, and I can't get home. Oh, I know. It's... <laughs> I got one person that loves me, man. I felt that. I'm just, one person, oh, like poor Chip. Okay, now five of you love me, but it's cool. But the thing was, I was sitting there thinking about that. Where there's night, there's light. Like here I'm stuck. And my wife's stuck. But I think the whole world is stuck. Like we're stuck in darkness. We're stuck in sin. We're stuck in hate. We're stuck with disease and death. We see it, poverty and war. And Christmas says, I've come to get you unstuck. I've come to, get you, I've come to give you a lift. I've come to get you out of it. I'm coming to you as one of you. No religion says that. Except ours says that God relates to us so intimately that he's coming to us as one of us. And, and Matthew and Luke are the tellers of Christmas, but like one of my mentors used to say, Matthew and Luke tell us what happened, but John tells us why. And so we're going to spend leaning up this time on John. Uh, on, on his, in, in John, one of the things he does in his, in his Christmas story, which we'll get to, we're going to work backwards through chapter one of John. Uh, one of the things he gets to is finally saying that a light shines in the darkness. And the stuckness cannot overcome it, right? The darkness cannot overcome it. He uses light as an image. If you read his letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, if you read the gospel, he writes a lot about this light, this light that's shining, that's coming. Even in the midst of our darkest times, there's something that gives us hope. 
And it's something that we cling to that's kind of, it's, it's, you can't explain it naturally. It's like what Dr. Martin Luther King wrote in Stride Toward Freedom about the civil rights movement. He said, they asked me to explain the civil rights movement. And he wrote this, I'll, I'll never forget. He said, all rational explanations break down at some point. This movement would have happened had the leaders of it never been born. Because this movement was supranatural. There's something, there's a light, there's something supernatural that's going on in our world. And, 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 and it came at that first Christmas and we cling to it every time of year. And that's why even secular minds and even people that don't know what's going on on Sunday morning are aching, are yearning for something different and it's light. And that's why Handel, if you know Handel's Messiah, right? He went back to this prophecy of Isaiah, and that's what John quoted so many times. Isaiah, this prophet, who said in the midst of a very, very dark time, and for Isaiah's prophecy, it was very, very dark. If you read the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, there's nothing but condemnation. You are condemned, you are condemned, you are condemned. You're going to go into exile. You're going to be away from me. And then out of nowhere, light. Chapter 40, out of nowhere. In the midst of our condemnation, we we're getting what we deserve, Isaiah says. You're, getting, you're reaping what you've sown. You're going to end up in a foreign place because you've committed adultery. You've, you've connected with other gods instead of the true God. And there's all this in our face. And out of nowhere, scholars say, Isaiah suddenly says that God says, comfort, oh comfort my people. It makes no sense. In fact, biblical scholars, uh, if, if you read them, will say that chapters 1 through 39 is 1st Isaiah, and chapters 40 through 66 is 2nd Isaiah. And, and it came from, it was almost as though they said, a 2nd Isaiah entered into the story. Like, it was all condemnation, but then, comfort, oh comfort my people. What does it say? Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she should receive from the Lord's hand double, double for all her sins, like out of nowhere, and it, 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 that God brings light into our night, that God gives us the lift we need when we're stuck, that God cares so much for us, that he enters in to the evil and the hurt and the brokenness of this world. God got messy, if you understand the story, right? I remember I was preaching up at Lakeside one time. I was a chaplain of the week up there at this retreat center. And I was preaching on creation. And I said, God reached into the dust to make us, right? And there was a little eight-year-old. I had to preach every day for five days. And this little eight-year-old came with his family every morning at 8 a.m. to hear me preach. And, I, and I, so by Friday, I leaned out of the eight-year-old. I said, hey, I'm, you know, you, you really did me an honor coming here all week. I said, do you remember anything I said? He said, yep, yeah, Pastor Chip. I remember that God got his hands dirty. Because he cares. Because he reaches in. That's what Isaiah says. And Isaiah is saying that something is on its way. Something is coming. 600 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah was saying, something's coming. Right? Pay attention. Anybody see Jurassic Park? Okay, 10. Man, we're moving up. Good. 
10 of you. I'm 11, saw Jurassic Park. Do you remember when the kids are stuck in the car and all of a sudden the water jars start going, boom, wait a minute, boom. I, you know, remember that? And it tremors? Because what was happening? Something big was coming, right? And, and let me tell you, Isaiah says in these passages, something big is coming. Something huge is coming. Something the world's never seen before is coming. He was foretelling it. Now, everybody in the world at that time would have known that the language he was using was speaking about royalty. That a king was coming, right? And so he's telling us the king, not a king, the king is coming. Why do I say that? Because in the ancient world, when a king or an emperor visited a new part of the kingdom or the empire, or maybe went someplace they hadn't been in a long time, I, if you study in history, they didn't take the existing roads. So they wouldn't have driven over to Independence via 480. They built a whole new road. They built a whole new boulevard. Ever heard of the King's Highway? Right? That's, that was real. Like even in Babylon, ancient Babylon, they had what was called the processional highway. And, and it was built because the king was coming. And they used to sing back in that day and age, make his way good, renew his road, make straight his path, hew him out a trail. And Isaiah, is saying, so you see, when a king would go, they would, they, would, they would create a mountain pass, right? You would create a pass through the mountains. If there was a low place, they would bridge it. They would create a new boulevard because they were saying... You have to respect my authority. I, there's no resistance to me. I'm making a new way, so you should not resist the king that is coming. But what's interesting with this king, he's not bridging valleys, he's getting rid of the valleys. He's not making a pass through the mountains, he's getting rid of the mountains. That's why Isaiah says there's an ultimate king who is coming. There's one who's coming that's going to make such a new way that your night will be light, that you'll never be stuck, that you'll find whole new freedom as you follow this, this new leader, all right? And it's coming from outside the world, right? It's not of the world. That's why Isaiah says in chapter 9, I love this, he said, they who walked in darkness have seen a great light, right? On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light is dawn. Not something from within, but something from without, there's one that's coming from the outside to fix what's wrong on the inside. How many of you know the world is broken? Right? The world is broken. We're broken. I, sh I preached this last week. I made you all confess you're sick. And almost all of you did. There was one righteous person that told me after they've never been sick, and that makes them sick. But anyhow... Um, <laughs> But there's one coming from the outside. See, Annie Dillard was an author back in the late 80s and the early 90s. And she really kind of shook up the church. And she wrote a book called Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. I know nobody's as old as me has ever read that. But she wrote it. And what was, she was a, she was a thinker. She was an intellectual. And she decided to go learn about the world by studying nature. And so she sat down by Tinker Creek in Virginia and all she did was reflect on nature. And she thought that was going to be such a retreat, right? The mountains in springtime, the walk in the rain. I'm sounding like John Denver. The sleepy blue ocean. All the millennials go, who's John Denver? You're looking at your phone. They're like, like she thought that was going to be comforting. 
Do you realize that she sat down there and studied nature and she found out it was terrifying? Yeah, that's why the phone went off. Yeah, I did. That alarm went off. Thank you. One straight, I, I set that up. I'll give you your 20 bucks right after. Was the timing perfect? God is so good. You think the Holy Spirit is not here? You're sick, right? Um, but so the alarm went off, and she's decided that nature is, is, is kind of scary. Because what's the rule of nature? Survival of the fittest. The strong will survive. The weak are preyed upon. And she had this encounter where, where this little water bug came and stung a frog and sucked up its life, and she was terrified, and it haunted her for years. And she wrote this. I'm going to read this. This is not comforting. She wrote in the book, she said, I realized that either this world, my mother is a monster, or I myself am a freak. Let's consider the former. The world is a monster. This world runs on chance and death and power, but I cherish life and the rights of the weak versus the strong. So that must mean I crawled by chance out of a sea of amino acid, like the Matrix, right? Neo, the one. You know that's a Christian story, by the way. And I whirl around and shake my fist, saying, shame, shame. We little blobs of self-tissue crawling around this planet's skin are right, and the whole planet is wrong. Or, let's consider the alternate. Nature's fine. The frog that the giant water bug sucked had a rush of feeling for about a second before his brain turned to broth. Don't read these at night to your kids. <laughs> I, however, have been sat by very strong feelings about the incident almost daily for years. Okay, nature's all right. It's our emotions and our values that are amiss. We're the freaks. The world is fine. So let's all go have lobotomies. To restore us to a natural state. I got some really good folk down front today. I might preach all day. Then we can go back to the creek, lobotomized, and live on its bank as untroubled as any muskrat or a reed. How about you first? What is she saying? She's saying that this world actually is unnatural. That, that there's something within me that, that prays for the weak. That, that lives for people to be better. But nature says, no, survival of the fittest. So either the world's right and I'm wrong, or I'm receiving radio waves from outside the world, from a better king, from a true king that is coming to level valleys, to shame mountains. So see, if you're here today and you're not a believer, what you say is things like this, and this is, this is I'm just going to call you out on it a little bit. We say, hey, nature's all you have, the world's all there is, but there should be justice for the weak. No, there shouldn't. Not if nature's all we have. That's what Annie Diller's saying. But she's saying that our hearts are picking up heartbeats from beyond this world, from something outside this world, not for a better king, not for a better governor, not for a better president, not for a better prime minister, but for the king who is going to come and set right what is broken and wrong with the world. Therefore, the Bible makes perfect sense because all of us are yearning for this. If you don't believe me, ask two American heroes. They're long gone by now. Anybody heard of these two great military leaders? I just read them about them this past week. 
Captain Silas Soule, and Lieutenant Joseph Kramer. Ever heard of those? Ever seen a monument built for them? There should be. They were at the Sand Creek Massacre in Colorado over 150 years ago. One of the greatest mass shootings in the U.S. history. When the military opened fire and killed 300 unarmed, mostly women and children, of the Arapaho and the Cheyenne tribes. But Captain Silas Soule and Lieutenant Joseph Kramer refused to allow their, their, their troops to fire. They resisted the order. And the general who ordered it asked that they both be hanged. Now, what makes two men resist an earthly order at the cost of their life? They know a different king is coming. They know there's a different kingdom. And they refuse to be part of the ones of this world. And do you know, to this day, I just read, just a week ago, that on the anniversary of that horrible massacre, one of the bloodiest, worst massacres in the history of the United States, that the Arapaho and the Cheyenne gather at the site of the Sand Hill Massacre, and they do a 180-mile healing walk to Silas's soul's gravesite and adorn it with flowers. I wonder if 150 years after I pass, somebody might come around and say thank you for being a member of a different kind of kingdom. Isaiah said, where there's night, there's light. And there's a different king coming, and he's bringing us something that we don't even deserve. He's bringing us double. Double. See, It's very interesting, that that word double. Like some people thought, well, he's bringing double punishment. Where in the Bible does God offer double punishment? No, he says, what does it say? Her hard service has been completed. Her sin's been paid for. Now she's received from the Lord double. See, some of us walk around thinking we've just been pardoned for our sins. Do you imagine that? Imagine you're on death row and the governor pardons you. And now you can go out into the world. Yeah, and be called. You guys are great, man. Right on time. Who's setting these phones up for this? I love it. But you can go out into the world pardoned, right? But good luck in a job. Good luck anybody wanting to have their daughter marry you. Like you've been pardoned, but you're still like a death row criminal. And you know what? David Lloyd Jones said years ago, too many Christians walk around like that. Like they're, they're, they're always feeling inferior, they're gossipy, they're d- downtrodden because they've just been pardoned. But Jesus doesn't just pardon you. He gives you double. What he says is, I'm giving you a right record now. Like you didn't have a record before. I didn't just die the death that you deserve. I lived the life that you should have lived. And when you believe in me, my record becomes your record. And you're not just pardoned. When God looks at you, he sees me. Because a king is coming. And a king has come. And he's brought us new life. And he's paid double for what we've, this is, this is God who owns the universe and owns the stars. And he's given us double. And it says his reward, I, this would kill me, his reward is in his hand. How does God get a reward? Like God owns everything. Like how do you reward God? Like he owns the universe. 
right? What, what do you do? What was his reward? It was us. We were his reward. Because he came and not just pardoned us, but gave us new and abundant and holy life. And gave us life and he gave us the, the blessing of God. At that point, he was rewarded. And says, you're my jewels. You're my treasure. Even when you think you're broken, even when you think you're stuck, I want you to see me coming as the true foundation in your life. As the only voice that matters. And looks at you and says, you are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved son. And with you I'm well pleased. That's the blessing of God. That's the double that we get. And we think about, well, how does this God do this? Right? How does he do this? Because, you know, it says he's coming with a mighty arm. Did you hear Pastor Terry read that? A mighty arm. The mighty arm was always power. But what's that mighty arm doing? It says he's, he's tending to his flock. He's holding his young like a mother would hold their child. You know why? Because here's what Isaiah is telling us. Where there's night, there's light because the warrior is the shepherd. Jesus has all power in his hand. Do you remember when Peter pulled the sword out? When they were coming for him, he said, hey, Peter, put that puny thing away. I know you think that's power in your world, military might in that. I could snap my fingers and make everybody die. I could call on my father. He'd send a legion of angels. But I'm strong enough to be weak. I'm, I'm big enough to be humble. And the warrior is going to become a shepherd and even become the lamb of God for you. And when we sense that, when we understand that that is who we serve, then we feel comfort because this king comes to bring comfort, not condemnation. Right? He could have come in condemnation, but he comes as a comforter. There was a, there was a very famous uh, writer who was driving one time with a friend of his. And everybody know you got those little passwords to unlock your phone? Like, I'm a hacker's dream. My password is my birth date. Like, they're like, oh, we got that, bro. Like, I'm just not, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. I just got to tell you. Um, I should give Princeton all their money back. But irregardless. But, but this guy had a, a password, and his friend was trying to get in his phone to get directions. They were going to use the GPS, and he was driving. He said, what's your password? He said, Pronobus. Pronobus? Like, how do you spell that? P-R-O space N-O-B-I-S. What is that? It's Latin. Do you know what it means? For us. And this writer began to share his testimony of all the hell he went through. His parents were divorced very young. He had gone through all kinds of suffering, betrayals and that. But he said, you know, Christmas says God is Emmanuel. God is with us. But he said, I kept reading. And Romans 8 said, if God be for us. Who can be against us? Pronobus means for us. And I put that into my phone every day because I know I have a king who is for me. He's for, he's not just with me, he's for me. He's not just with me when I walk through, he's for me. He's advocating for me. He's healing me. He's bringing me strength that I didn't know I had. I have a king that is Pronobus. I'm gonna, don't start, Leah. I will go to dancing up here and embarrass my wife. 
He's for us. He's for, I know, somebody said she's not here. Go ahead. She's watching online. Greetings to our online audience. That's expanding. Don't you tempt me. Y'all trying to, you got to pay for my uh, marriage therapy at this church. I'm telling you. He's for us. And so when we know he's for us, guess what the Bible says? Isaiah continues and says this. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired of you. He will not grow weary of your sin. And his understanding, no one can fathom. Watch this. He gives strength to the weary. He goes against nature. And he increases the power of the weak. That's not survival of the fittest. So even youth that grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Now, scholars have noticed that's, that's backwards. You're supposed to walk and then run and then soar. Any long jumpers in here? None. Right? You walk, you run, you soar. But it says, no, you soar, you run, you walk. You know why? Because you can soar once in a while. And you can run sometimes. But you can walk all the time. And God is saying, I'm going to be with you in all the time. Not just with you, I'm going to be for you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to go through it with you. I'm going to give your life purpose. That's what Christmas means. The world is not you know, possessed by an absentee landlord. We have a God who walks with us. The old hymn said, and talks with us. And tells us we are his own. Let me close. I'm past my time. Leah's going to yell at me. That's all right. You can. I gave her permission. Past my time. Do you know I read something last week that just struck me about this? And I'm going to close with this. And then we can walk up to God's table together. The Houston airport did a study. They were getting countless complaints by passengers. You know what the biggest complaint was? Waiting at baggage claim. Waiting at baggage claim. And they found out that it wasn't just, you know, the fact that their bags or whatever. It was just they had all this time, like seven minutes they counted, that they were waiting. So you know how they solved it? They decided to make the landing gates further away (laughs) from the baggage claim. So then instead of standing there for seven minutes, people walked for seven minutes. And when they got there, their bags were already there. And guess what? All the complaints quit. Because see, when we're walking with purpose, it's not unspent time. But when we're standing there wondering what's going on in my life, what, is, what has in store for me, we get very bored. God says, I'm going to give you purpose. I'm going to put you out on a long runway and take you on a long walk. But guess what? I am not just with you. I'm for you. And at the end, you're going to receive everything that you ever imagined. Amen? All right, I'm going to shut up because I could go forever. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come. Come on us today as we come to your table. Let us know that you've prepared something for us. We've been walking. We've been stuck. My poor wife can't get out of the driveway. But there's a table, and there's bread, and there's a cup. Our bags have arrived. Everything we've been looking for is here.
and you say, come. The end of your word in Revelation says, let the spirit and the lamb say, come. Come and drink that which is given without money and without price. God, let us come to this table knowing that Christmas says, you're with us. Where there's night, there's light. Where there's difficulty, there's hope. Where there's governments and kingdoms that divide, there is a true king and a true leader in a better way. Thank you for those who have the courage to walk toward it and know that you're walking with us. Be with us at this table, Lord, we ask, in the strong name of Jesus. And I'm going to risk it and say, let all of us have believed that say, amen. Amen.